Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love! Hey lady! Hi, how are you? I'm good. So what's happening this week? This week, oh, we had our first big feature in Greenpointer's... Is it a magazine? Greenpointers.com. It's like a, it's like it's a, a blog. blog. Yeah, for, for Greenpoint. For Greenpoint. Um, by Lisa Oliveri. So everybody should go to greenpointers.com and go check it out. We were on the homepage if you just scroll down a little bit now, I think. Yeah. Um, pretty exciting. I don't know, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we're like little kids in a candy store. I know. First press release. I mm know. -hmm. Oh, not a press release. First press. Press. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, we want to tell everybody to subscribe to the podcast. If you're on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your shows, check us out, add us. We just want to make sure everybody's getting our feed when we upload a new episode. Uh, so this episode, episode 22, is Catherine Corcoran. She is an actress, teacher, just like a kick-ass chick. She sounded pretty awesome. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed um, interviewing her. Also, she was just so easy to talk to that I, I... Do you guys have, like, a friendship background? Her and I? Yeah. No, we we met... I wasn't sure. The way that you were speaking, I was like, oh, are they friends? And I, like, or do you just know her through... I've met her once before. Oh. Okay. For like 10 minutes at a party. Yeah. We just hit it off. You did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's actually off to Cannes Film Festival for her film, Return to... Return, Return to... Newcom High. <laughs> A.K.A. Volume 2. <laughs> yeah. So you should check that out. You probably should be over 17. <laughs> probably over 17. And there, uh, we're pretty sure there's a volume one. Yeah. You might so you want to see, check yeah. it out before. <laughs> Which she also went to Cannes Film Festival. Anyway, she talks about all that on the show. And finally, please let us know if you um, know of anyone or you would like to be a guest on the podcast. Uh, reach out to us on the website. You can get... Um, we have a contact page, page. on the website. You can or fill you, out the form. You can fill out the form. Or you can send us an email at love at gmail.com cool enjoy loving whatever time yes uh, I thought you were meaning like the friend I have a few friends that there's their like their birthdays last yeah like you week. have yeah there's an event every night <laughs> yes oh you know but then or there's the breakfast and then there's the drinks later and I'm oh my goodness I know they um my my roommate was like that and I love her dearly and by the end of it I was like okay it is over. It has been a week. Yeah. The birthday is over now. It's over. It's over. <laughs> Where I'm the dead opposite. I can't stand... Like, I, I want to do something for my birthday, but I can't stand the thought that it's all on me. Like, the pressure's all yeah. on me, that it's going to be, like, a good night, fun, people will come, and I just end up, like, kind of freaking yeah, out I about it. Yeah, I get all it. stressed out about it as well. Kurt's like that. He... Like, I learned that we've been together almost four years now, and I... Learned that, like, I guess the first year we dated, I tried to throw a big thing for him, and he was, like, so against it and stressed out, and then it stressed me out, and I was like, never again, I'm just not doing it anymore, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I've had a few friends that, I think also people think that you're, 
you're being sort of like a martyr. Is it a martyr or you're or you're sort of being fake when you're like, I don't really want something big for my birthday. They're like, yes, you do. Yeah. And then they watch like what you transform into uh-huh. while you freak out about yeah. it. And they're like, okay, we'll never do it again. Like, <laughs> fine. I'm like, thank it, you. It's not that he's like terrible. It's just like, he doesn't like, like he's very spontaneous. So one of the things I've just done going forward is I've just been like, I'll send a mass text out to like all our friends that are in the city and just be like, we're going to be here. If you want to come, great. If not, don't even worry about it. He won't be upset. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, so now, because we've had Kurt on the podcast. Right. Now we're having you. It's, it's quite <laughs> lovely, really. And I remember, I remember when he first started dating you. Really? So all I remember, for some reason, I just remember that you two went and saw a play together. Or like there was something about going and seeing a play. Oh, we were supposed to. Yes. And I didn't go. I didn't show you up. You did. That's right. <laughs> but you like, I think you were like halfway in the cab, and I mean, he didn't. By the way, he didn't go into like detail about this. Yeah. It's just him and I were seeing each other like every, every fourth day. day yeah, at that exactly. Time. So we were just, you know, talking about our lives. But, yeah, um, I have this like. Well, I already have like weird anxiety issues, and um, I was I had just got out of this like awful relationship, like just god awful, terrible relationship, and I'd only really been on my own for about a month. And Kurt, I'd known all through the time I dated this other guy. We were friends from and like the bar world, or he, is that no, where you guys met? Or no, where? well, actually, there was. So I did this film, um, Return to Newcomb High, um, a couple years ago, and um, he and. Uh, when I was on the side of the film, I was in college, I was a sophomore in college, it was my first lead in a feature. And I went away for three months and um, lived in a funeral home in Niagara Falls, like upstate Niagara Falls, New York, for like the summer, essentially. It was like camp for adults, basically. And I went up there. And for the first time since I had really kind of been an adult and on my own, I was only like 19, 20 years old, the, I... Um, felt a group of I was with a group of people who really understood me and got me and didn't think I was strange or weird all these like crazy artists and I loved it but was this for the film is that why you were there okay yeah yeah. and I loved it so I kind of and I had this like college boyfriend at the time that like it wasn't going well but it was just like to have someone you know what I mean and so it's also college yeah exactly I was up there for about three months and you know I met this other guy up there and it was like all kind of like we're all living together and like so I started dating this other guy and I came back and of course like broke it off with my college boyfriend and my um my college friends were all very annoyed and like you know it just kind of seemed to them that I went up and just kind of was like ditch them for a better group, which obviously was not the case, but you know, that was just kind of, and also still sort of high school in some ways, isn't it? Like, and I I know like it's, it's not, it's college, but, but there's still that group that you really do care about. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I, so they were upset with that. And then I was also, I was in an acting program. So there was a lot of like competition within the program and I came back and, um, you know, it was my, I did a sex scene in this film. It's the first time I'd ever done that. And I came back and, like, everyone within the program was just kind of... Not everyone, but a lot of people were just kind of like... Katie thinks she's an actress because she's uh, she got naked in a movie. Like, now she thinks she's like... And that was, like, not the case at all. But So I really just kind of hid from my college world and was experiencing all this anxiety about going and, like, people saying things. It's like high school all over again. Yeah. And just kind of held up with the people I knew from this film. And one of them was this uh, 
really awesome artist, Colette, who has been like in the Lower East Side. Well, now she's actually in Bushwick, but she had been in the Lower East Side for like 30 years. And um, she called me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm just, you know, it's like a Saturday, but I'm just sitting at home because I'm not really seeing anyone. Yeah. And um, my and she goes, well, I'm going, well, why don't you come and meet me for a drink in my neighborhood? And her like neighborhood watering hole was Culture Fix, where right. Kurt was working at the time. And he was the bartender and we went in and like, we just hit it off right away. Um, almost like too much. And I get, I was seeing this person. I was like, I'm not doing this again to another person. And I didn't even, so like subconsciously, I kept like pushing her away and I would constantly be like, and my boyfriend this and my boyfriend that. And he would like call me out on it all the time. Be like, I know who he is. Like he's come by. It's not a big deal. I get it. You have a boyfriend. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he had a girlfriend, I think at the time, Kurt too, but we just like hit it off so well. Um, they called us, uh, at outside of us meeting, Kurt was handsy, handsome Kurt, and I was sexy Katie. So uh, like, because we call him flirty Kurt. Flirty Kurt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, it just kind of made sense, and like, we. But I and I found myself kind of gravitating towards that spot because of the culture fix, which is really amazing. I'm sure you've been with a collection of artists that yeah. was there, and I just gravitated to. Like, I more know it to be honest. Of just it, it sums up Kurt for me. So I didn't really I. Didn't never went and hung out there or anything like that, but the way he would talk about it, and, yeah. And then the people that I've met from um, his world yeah. of that, I'm like, yeah. They're, they've become like some of my best friends, and the bar has been closed probably for like yeah. three years now, but it's just, and there's still like a community of people who kind of are together, and it was great because in the back it was a it was like a tapas beer and wine bar, no hard liquor, but in the back it was this like rotating performance gallery kind of space. So every time you went in, there was always something different back there, and always different artists like testing things out and collaborating. So you kind of, especially as a young person on their own in a city that where they don't really have a lot of people, it really fostered this sense of yeah. community. And even when I was dating that other guy, I would go in. And I found myself just going to Culture Fix when I was having a bad day just to hang out with Kurt and mm -hmm. not in any no, sort no, of romantic way. No, no, I've, had, way. The same, I've yeah. had the same experience at bars here. Yeah, yeah, it was just like it had no no real romantic thing. It was just like I felt better when I yeah. hung out there. And then so I, I kind of pulled away the film, the first, now it's two films. So the first one came out in Cannes and it, I was doing the tour with the film and I kind of pulled away from like, I was just traveling, so I pulled away from Culture Fix and split up, and I remember coming in... Oh, so you split up with the, the yeah, boyfriend as yeah, well? Yeah, the okay. really, the really... And it was not a good relationship at all, but we split up, and I came into... Um, I came into Culture Fix, and uh, uh, Kurt looked at me and goes, Katie, I thought I'd never see you again! Like, you know, all this stuff, and um, we just started spending um, all this time together, but I was so hesitant going from one relationship to another, yeah. only being on my own for about a month to really invest myself in another person. And um, Kurt and I were spending so much time together, and we hadn't we hadn't even kissed. He we had like nothing. He would sleep on an air mattress in my living room. Like my I was in between roommates. There was no furniture. Like he would come over, and I would. And just, I have to, knowing Kurt. <laughs> that really is like dedication. I know. <laughs> now I was like, <laughs> like upon reflection, but I was just so weird about being with anyone. And I think like he invited me to this show and I was still, and I was getting texts from my ex and was still like, and I kind of just like had this anxiety attack and like found out some reason like not to go. I was like walking the door. I was like, no, 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 I can't do this. I can't do this. And somehow he still like came around. He came like afterwards and we hung out and it was fine. Like, but yeah, I ditched him. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now you guys have been together for 
four years. years. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, um, he uh, we'd been this had been like ongoing for like a month. We'd spend like every day together. I got a puppy. We were like you know working with the puppy together, and um, my then one of my best friends moved in with me. And it was like the first couple nights we was there, we went to Culture Fix. And um, I remember my roommate said to me, he goes, Katie, if you don't sleep with him, I'm going to sleep with him. <laughs> so that was kind of So that was the deal. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. All like, you sometimes need is a good one-liner. Like, yeah. like, like kicking the ass a little yeah. bit. Because I'm like, he's overall hanging out. I was pulling out the air mattress. And, and, and Kirk goes to the bathroom and Jordan was like, this is insane. Get, if you, if you, get, get rid of the air mattress. mattress. I don't, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know, like, I didn't know that at all, but I love the thought of that. I, I don't want this to become about Kurt. No, the whole plot <laughs> like, always freaking comes up damn it. about Kurt. Um, but just, I, actually, it's not even about Kurt. It's about other, lots of other stories where a lot of the time, like, especially my friends who have been, they're a bit more free with their sex life and mm-hmm. like it's not a huge commitment to have mm-hmm. sex and they just see it as like it's wonderful thing to mm-hmm. do with someone. Yeah. Normally when uh, when they actually with their life long or their longer partner, they don't end up having sex with them for like 3 or 4 months at the start. Yeah. And I and it's all and, and it tends to be the person of like my friends who who sort of is quite free in that yeah, area. That's and yet the person that it really means something to they yeah, it never yeah. really dawned on me, you know, that it was going to be a, a thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, it just kind of didn't feel exactly right, so I didn't go for it. But we joke now that um, we kissed first and had sex, like, immediately after. It was just, like, all that, like... <laughs> yeah, but you'd also technically been dating, dating for, like... Yeah, but we were, like, oh, my God, it was so awkward and so weird and <laughs> silly. Uh, it was... But it's, I mean, honestly, like, I've been with him now going on four years, and it's been really, like, an incredible thing, and I, I don't think, and when I say, like, I love him, like, I do, he is my person, you know, mm. and I don't know, it's interesting. I saw a psychic, like, right after I broke up with my, like, bad ex, I keep calling my bad ex, he was just, he Your was ex. Just, yeah, yeah, that's not very nice for me to well, say, yeah. but, you know, whatever. You could say, oh, if we feel better about it, we could say, like, the bad experience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's not, he's not a bad person. It's just not a good relationship. Right. But, yeah. um, so they, uh, but I went to see this psychic. She came in and, like, I was bartending at the time, so I was working brunch. She came in and, like, wanted to give me a reading after I'd gotten done work. And I was wearing, mm. I'm kind of spiritual, I was wearing, um, I actually left it at a friend's house. My, I always wear this amethyst and I kept wearing this, um, rose quartz with it what's amethyst. an amethyst it's a purple crystal and it um it's it protects you essentially so mm. i put them like in my doorways and things like that and um i subconsciously kept also putting on this like rose quartz which is like the lover stone they say to put that by your bed kind of mm-hmm. things like that yeah, so i think like, my mom's given me one of those yeah before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so i was like kind of subconsciously protecting my heart mm. so i was breaking up with this guy but i didn't I didn't know that, you know, and I did, I did, I guess, but not in a conscious way. And, um, so she noticed and, and told me to come by. And so I did. And, um, I asked her, so we did a reading and I asked her what was going to happen with my ex because at the time I thought like he was it. I was 20 years old. I was like, this is the guy, like, yeah. you know, and I was really, you know, really heartbroken that it was ending. And, um, she said to me, you meet 
multiple, you have multiple soulmates because your soul evolves, your spirit evolves. So it's, it's pretty common to have more than one. And at that, and when you met your ex, he, he was, Mm. your souls were very much in line, but they're not anymore. And he's, so he was your soulmate, but he isn't anymore. But I am going to tell you that the, the soulmate that, that you're supposed to be with, that you will spend your, the majority of your time with is you've already met him. Mm. And I was, and I'm thinking, and he's like, and he has light eyes and dark hair. And I, I looked at her, I was like, this woman is insane. I'm like going through my exes in my head, like, you know, none of them fit that characteristic. I'm like, like literally going through all the guys I've had like romantic encounters with nothing. And I'm just getting frustrated. And I was like, fuck this woman. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah. Say whatever you want. (laughs) Fuck this woman. Like, what a waste of my time. Like, she told me I'm going to break up with, you know, so-and-so. And And I like, I was like refusing to admit that that was what was going to happen and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of forgot about it. And then about a year into us dating, I was sitting and I looked at Kurt and I was like, you have light eyes and dark hair. And I had already met him. And so I like to think that that was like a yeah. little lead in. Do you, do you see many, have you seen many psychics? No, that was the only one. Wow. Actually, well, my um, best friend's mother growing up uh, is a healer, um, but she doesn't call it, she's very intuitive, but she would never call herself psychic. Mm-hmm. But she does see a lot and knows a lot. Um, she's, um, she kind of already, the guy that, um, my friend is dating now, uh, she saw him in a dream already, like, she knew. Oh, wow. So, she's a really fascinating woman, and, like, helped me a lot when I was going through stuff as well, but I don't know, I would never call her, I don't know, I just feel like psychic demeans what she's capable of, she's just one of those I think, yeah, and I think psychic has a, um, a bad connotation to it sometimes of like kind of like a weird and wacky person that yeah. sort of freaks you out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or it can actually, I mean, you're right. You, sometimes you do meet very intuitive people in your yeah. life that just can, and also get you, they sense you and you can feel it. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah. Like when you walk in the door, like I remember it was as growing up, you couldn't lie to Hannah. She like, knew everything Mm. it was one of those like and you'd be at chloe's house or wherever uh they were and you'd be with a group of friends and it wasn't uncommon for someone to just kind of like disappear in the middle of it and be off like talking to her yeah yeah she is she's amazing she's an amazing woman so when did you so do you are you an actress like is that what you're yes okay wonderful that's what i do um do you say that you you is there other, is there a slash to that? I, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm an actress, artist, and a uh, moon child. That's like how I kind of... What's a moon child? Um, I don't know. I just kind of like, uh, you know, like... Um, Free spirit? Yeah, a little hippy-dippy yeah. animal person. I'm very connected to the moon, to the woman. Um, mm. It's a big thing for me. So that's just... Why as a woman, what does, is there more, do we have more of a connection or is it more important for us to, um, or the I, cycle? I think so, Or yes. I should just let you answer? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 I think so, yes. Um, one of, you know, like spiritually, one of the things that I've just kind of been able to relate to is like um, the way the, the laws of nature operate and um, laws of motion. So I, I don't know how I feel about any type of organized religion or God-like figure, but I know that for um, 
every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. You know, that's one of Newton's laws of motion that energy can't be created or destroyed. So within the natural universe, what, um, you know, scientists and biologists have been able to prove is that everything kind of cycles. The water cycles with the moon, animals cycle with the moon. The same thing, especially women, we have our own, men so, yeah, yeah, we have our own cycles that, uh, uh, rotate with it and as humans we're mostly water so if the tides then move with the moon it only makes sense that we move with the moon mm -hmm. and I find that when things are happening and maybe you know maybe I'm completely wrong and it's just coincidence but I do find that I'll emotionally I feel certain ways depending on full or waning moons and yeah. things like that so it's just become one of those things that I kind of even to check myself too, like it's a moment when you know a full moon happens or whatever to just like breathe and like mm -hmm. acknowledge what is happening in the world and kind of trying to channel that energy into something positive it's just always been a nice that's a good reminder because it happens you know every month right and, you yeah. know it's just been and a, also a time um i'm just gonna do that just oh, so, so you, you know. don't oh yeah yeah um but i i first noticed it actually when i used to be like a door girl at a bar uh-huh and on the full moon nights, we all were like, what is up with tonight? Yeah. Like, what is with this crowd? And it wasn't necessarily bad. It was just different. different. Everyone yeah. was acting differently. And, and what I tended to notice was then this girl I worked with, she'd be like, I bet it's a full moon. And it would nearly happen. You know, yeah. like, even with your like, menstrual cycle, you always forget yeah. Like, why am I a bitch today? Uh, yeah, or like, why? I feel like my life is yeah. ending. Why do I just want to eat everything? Yeah. And I don't care. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then it happens, and then you actually feel really great afterwards. You yeah. know, it's like the strangest thing. I know. So, I, so then I, yeah, I started to realize this power of the full moon, because it just, every month, mm -hmm. we would have the same conversation, and someone would be like, it's because it's a full moon. Mm -hmm. But I want to go, I definitely want to go back to you decide when you decided that you wanted to be an actress mm -hmm. and and how did that come about um well I was I it sounds so cheesy but I think I always knew I know that sounds ridiculous it's, but I think it's a tr I would be surprised at most yeah say yeah I um when I was very young like preschool I went um I grew up in uh Philadelphia and like right outside and I, we went, well, my parents could kind of afford, that was a good preschool program. The, the school systems in and around Philadelphia are like hit or miss. A lot of, okay. especially the public schools are not very good. And, um, but around the area, there's like, it gets better. So what they, um, there was this um, Ella preschool. It was called Noah's Ark, like Christian preschool. My family is not super religious in that way. They're Catholic, Irish Catholic, but not, you know. Yeah. And, but it was just, it was convenient location. And it was and a like, good school. Yeah, exactly. So my parents put me in there. And one of the things that we would do every day is, you know, and instead of like nursery rhymes, they would do Bible stories, like, you know, children's Bible stories. And I was constantly taking them and en enlisting all the kids to come together and recreate them. We had this like little platform and I was like always doing that. And then as I got older, um, you know, in elementary school, I, I loved to sing and perform. It was just like one of those things for me. And I took it very seriously. Yeah. I, I took like, I remember I was like, I don't know, we did like Peter Pan in, in elementary school and I was Peter Pan. I took it so seriously. Like I was like, it was ridiculous. I took my auditions very seriously. So my mom was like, 
asked if I wanted to do more like community theater and I did that. And then, um, then I got to a point where I was in middle school. And again, I was so serious. I was like, mom, this is, this is going to be my career. Like I said those things to her and she was like, okay, well, what do you want to do about that? And I was like, I want to take classes and I want to really learn how to do this. And she said, all right, well, do some research and find a place to do it. And so um, I did. Um, and I called, I sat in my backyard one day with, you know, with from our dial-up connection, what I could get on the internet about schools and called all these different agencies, like here in New York even. And of course, like most of them are like, what the hell? Like this kid, <laughs> you know what I That's mean? That's fantastic. That's what I did, yeah. Until I found um, this uh, this woman. I was just looking at agencies at first and I found this management company, Station 3. There's there's a different name, but they're still here in the city. So I'm an Edie who talk like this. Like Edie has this voice kind of and she answered and, and she listened to me on my spiel. Like actually listened, she goes, all right, honey, how old are you? You sound young. <laughs> and I said, I was probably like, I'm like, you know, 12 years old or whatever. And she goes, all right, where are you from? And I told her, and she goes, my husband runs a school in Philadelphia. Here's the number, call them, tell them I sent you. So like I did, and I went in and they auditioned me. And um, I love her. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> she's, she's amazing. <laughs> all right, she always called everyone ugly. That was how... Everybody was hideous. That she was. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know who I'm thinking of though is the um, is it Celeste from Friends? Joey's, kind of. Yes. Joey's, yes. Very yeah, similar. Okay. Very similar. Woman. <laughs> um, so she. Uh, so I went, and what would happen? I would take these classes at the Actors Center um, Saturdays and Sundays, and they were all day. And um, at the time, we had just moved outside of the city, so my I would take the train into the. Were city. they expensive? Um. They were probably, they weren't crazy expensive, okay. but definitely uh, an investment for my yeah. parents. But again, I was at that time, like, they would put me in all sorts of extracurricular things yeah. to try to and get And also, me. you're showing you're committed to yeah. this. This isn't like well, a, I'm into horses for a month. Yeah, yeah. well, they had well, they had me doing, like, sports, and I was awful. Like, I just, they, I think I did, I did soccer, and I would frustrate my dad so much because uh, we have, like, a cousin in my family who's, like, an Olympian soccer player. So everybody had to play because it's assuming the gene was somewhere in the family, you know? So we're playing, and my dad really loved it. But I would, like, sit and pick, like, daffodils or, like, always try to come up with an excuse not to go. To go, yeah. Yeah, or, like, I'd be like, but uh, there's a dance dance class that I want to take or like something stupid. So eventually that was kind of the trade-off. It's like, all right, she's not going to do soccer. Like this is to a, let go of the soccer. Yeah. The, 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 the sports are not going to be her thing. Let's try this, you know? And it, yeah, it was dedicated. What kid goes, you know, on my weekends, I went to spend the whole day in another school essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we went and, uh, what Rodney would do is after you would he would sort you like there was a pre-professional program that you'd get sorted in if he kind of saw that so there's about 10 to 15 of us that were like this core group especially through my teenage years that went every single weekend and we would have an acting class and then like a technique class so it would be like uh cold copy or voiceover or whatever and what Rodney would then do was as his wife got auditions he would send us through her oh wow and it really um it it was like I lived for those calls and like that kind of that was and again that was like a group of people who just understood me and it didn't really matter who I was in my high school or whatever those were my friends and were you enjoying high high school as well I hated it yeah (laughs) absolutely hated it 
Um, so, uh... So how was picking college? Um, well, um, where I actually found that I was really at home was in my, my art classes. Um, so I would cut class and hang out. Miss Taylor is a wonderful woman in that she would cover for me. I would like cut class and just go and like work on like paintings in her, her little, her classroom. But, um, the, so they were all, I was, I had gone pretty far in the program and they were all doing like portfolio building and I was doing it as well, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I, um, looked at art schools, but I strategically only looked at art schools in New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles because... You could continue the yeah, acting career. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and... So why not acting college, though? No, I did go to acting oh, college. Oh, you did, sorry. Yeah, okay. no, but I looked at, like, that was just how I used the time. Right. Like, that made sense, and Chicago was way too cold. That wasn't going to happen. LA is actually really expensive out of state, so I got into a few universities there, and that wasn't going to work, and I was... And I had on scholarship done NYU pre-college um, the summer before my senior year and loved it. And that's where I thought I was going to go. But I didn't qualify for a scholarship as a full-time student. Which is, a, and it's about $50,000 a it year, right? It was like $65,000. is not that crazy? Yeah. Oh my God. So there was only one other option, the, the acting programs I'd gotten in, which was Marymount Manhattan College. And they offered me a little, little scholarship and that was where I went. And that was kind of just what did it. But it was never so much about the college as much as it was a, a platform for me to be auditioning in, in the city. But so th- this is why it fascinates me is that you're, you got judged so much when you went away to do the film and you were in acting school. Yeah, I mean, well, they didn't... Well, not judge. I don't know if yeah, judge is the right word. There was definitely a lot of, um, a lot of frustration. I, I came back late into the f- semester, so there was that. And then I left early to go when it was in Cannes because I, I was like, this is incredible. Of course yeah. I'm going. Yeah, you're going. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think it was just kind of, as a painter and artist, I was really interested in um, provocative political, social, economic kind of work where um, like, I would work, I loved working very large and when you worked that large, they sometimes they would put you in the hallway just because there wasn't enough space. Space, yeah. So I would try to incorporate as men, as much phallic imagery as I possibly could, not because I like really was wanted to paint that, but because I loved the idea of people having to walk by these giant phalluses every single day mm-hmm. on their way to like class. Like, I just loved that kind of work, and um, and my acting school was very much and same with the actor center as, as beneficial as it was it was a lot of like no you have to do this you have to be like this this is how you're going to get hired and it was important to me so I was constantly trying to mold myself and and that caused a lot of stress and anxiety because you can't be what everybody wants you to be all the time no, I... and of course like creatively I wanted to do more provocative work um so when I did Newcomb High, it was like the combination of both worlds because Troma is a satire company that like loves that they uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone have gone through them, yeah. James Gunn. So it's very, you know, it's very raunchy, but also very self-aware. And um, I just kind of came back and had this understanding of who I was and what I wanted to do. And um, I think that was really intimidating to a lot of professors who are, A, trying to tell you... What to do. Yeah, yeah. and also 
students who are like kind of frustrated because they're very much where I was where they're just like I don't know what I'm supposed to do right you know and I, I think it's just a frustrating thing for people yeah it sounds like a very sort of natural human behavior yeah like you could slip that sort of into lots of other worlds yeah you know? exactly yeah. exactly and um it's just it's like but what feels different is though is that like with being an actress or an artist it's you're selling you in -hmm. some ways you know a form of your Mm -hmm. creativity or the or you as a self as a character Mm -hmm. and to be then it's very different of like your work gets critiqued say like something separate from you Mm -hmm. actually your face and your body but then to be critiqued and uh, on literally you yeah you you are more sensitive oh definitely like yeah yeah. i mean because you're you're as a performer you're the product and the salesperson and right. it's it's very it's very personal i mean i know how i feel about the artwork i do i can't imagine well i can't imagine but right. it's, you know it's it's this very yeah so i kind of just i and, don't know and how did you how did you feel about the sex scene how did how um i it, it actually has ironically informed I didn't expect it to a lot of the work I do now and the things I'm passionate about as a woman and an artist. Um, I really had no idea what I was in for, kind of. I, I had, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 18. So my sexual experiences were limited to begin with. And, and you're I, like 19? I think I turned 20, 20 like right yeah. during the rehearsals. So it was like, it, it was like, yeah. Yeah. It was not very long after I had two sexual partners my entire life. Um, none of whom were women and it was a, a female. Oh, it was a yeah. female. Okay. All right. So, so it just even got even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was actually really lucky in that my co-star was a few years older than I was and, um, she was bisexual. So it was really important to her and to me to be as authentic as possible. Mm. And we kind of had a lot of conversations about her experiences and experiences in general and trying to make it. And, um, also, the character was a high school student, so she would be very naive in her understanding of sex. And so it kind of, it worked really well. And um, we rehearsed it quite a few times and it's actually like a really beautiful scene. I, um, I, I'm really quite proud of it. Yeah. Um, and then I did another scene for them, which was a little bit more difficult because it was just me and it was like very special effects heavy. We recreated the Carrie sequence as a parody in the yes. showers. Yeah. And so that was actually a lot more vulnerable for me because with her and we're kind of like just rolling around and it's together. You have someone. Yeah, yeah. When you're on your own. And there was also like some technical things that day. So it didn't, I was um, kind of overwhelmed, I think. And uh in particular, these people were then fired after this, but I remember it was like a really rough day. Um, the sex scene was fine, and then this scene was really rough, and I found out that someone had been filming the monitor, and that was my first real kind of like inclination of like, I guess, exposure, uh, not exposure, but exploitation, exploitation yeah. of, of who I was sexually, and I, nev- I hadn't really experienced that yet. Um, and then when I got back, um, there was a, I, I don't think I was really prepared for how I was going to be perceived still as kind of a child, an adult, but still very much child in my life experiences and my body, um, and how sexualized I was going to be. And like, 
you know, that there were going to be websites where they documented how nude and for how long in, like, oh, each wow. scenes. And people were going to be reaching out to me and, like, wanting me to do all sorts of, like, weird, almost pornographic Graphic, things. Yeah. And, um, if she's up for that, then yeah, she's up for this. Yeah, yeah. and, oh, and wow. it did, actually. I did, I do still kind of feel sometimes that I have to prove myself as a quote-unquote, like, serious actor. Um, it's funny because to me that's the most serious you could. Oh yeah. You know, like that committing to that and yeah. and and even just how you explained the um, being with a, a woman scene of like no, well like, we were connected and we talked about it and and also related it to well she actually is sort of me in the time like yeah. to me that is as that is a beautiful way of acting. Well yeah, and yeah. I mean we that was one of the things and one of the things I will say about the first film that. Uh, critics really acknowledge and I'm really proud of is the storyline of the relationship between the two girls as silly as the satire is is really very genuine and believable and we we're really proud of that mm. because we wanted that to be um, portrayed and this was prior to um, gay marriage being legal in the United States so it was it was it was a big deal yeah. to us um, and uh, I think so when I I, I don't know. You're kind of also damned if you do, damned if you don't, I found with female nudity. It's like, if you don't do it, people tell you, oh, you don't really take your craft seriously, right? Mm -hmm. You're not really a serious actor. But if you do do it, you're also told, oh, she doesn't value her craft because she just uses her body. I also think that there's a, if you don't do it, what, are you approved? What, are, you yeah, know, like, are you, exactly. what, you're too good to... And that, that doesn't happen to men, really. If anything, I find if they do do, they're not really asked to do it often. And if they do, again, like, full frontal, not like... Right. If they do, they're also, like, commended for being so brave. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and it's just very frustrating for me. I, I, Katie, why, why is it, though, that... Like, why is it that we can, that boobs, boobs are everywhere, mm -hmm. but like, and now definitely, I mean, girls, the show has just opened up a whole, mm -hmm. like, you know, element of, um, nudity, which yeah. I think is fantastic. But yeah. even then you don't see like the male genital, like yeah. really, but why, so why, yeah, why is it that we see more women than men. Um, there's a couple of re from my research. There's a couple of reasons. It's very strange, um, not reasons, but protocols. So to get um, an R rating um, and not an NC-17 rating in a film. Now, if you get an NC-17, you can't advertise. That's the problem with that rating. Oh wow! Yeah, so it makes it really difficult to make money on the mm -hmm. film because you can't. Wow! Yes. You can't advertise. What? You can't have a trailer. You can, but you can't put it out in the capacity to attract... Um, you can't have posters on the subway yeah, and that type yeah. of element. Okay. And you can't like put ads in, in publications. So how do people know if you're screening? Now, the internet's a little bit easier now, but particularly but when these laws were getting yeah put into place, it was incredibly difficult. And the ratings board is very subjective. There's no real guidelines as to what they decide. It's not is. like, if we see 10 breasts in the space, well, there, space but, of... But there are. Oh. That's what's weird. So it's like, with women, there's no, no procedure. You can have as much um, breasts or whatever. As long as you're not showing, like the inside of, of someone's vagina, vagina yeah. you're fine. Okay. But with men, there's a, there's a limit to how many seconds of like penis you can show. <laughs> and if you go over that amount of seconds, you get an NC-17 rating. So that's a part of the reason, just logistically, like 
they yeah. don't. I guess that's big one for Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, <laughs> it, and I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, people have been pushing and pushing ever since. And this, like, um, in in Return of Newcomb High, we didn't even submit it to the ratings board because there's so much male nudity right. in it. They were so just like, just don't worry they're like, it. we're not even gonna do it. Um, but uh, there's there's so there's that and like um, there's a film Borat that is really clever in how it, not Borat um, Bruno is like the same. Oh, Bruno, yeah, it's yeah. I haven't seen it, but I do know what you're talking about. There's a scene where they have his um, penis, like, spinning, and the way that they cut around it to get an R rating so they could put it in major theaters, because he he had just done um, Borat and was, like, one of the biggest comedians in the world, was it's um, the seconds, and then they just keep flipping the image of the penis. so it's the same image. Yeah, so it's, like, still... That's how they could, like, get around. It's, like, so strange. Like, but there's nothing for women. And where this really gets, like... uh, there's this book and documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated, which really um, explores this on a much deeper level. But um, they, uh, there was this, the same year that American Pie came out, the film Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank yeah. came out. And it's kind of like the archetypal case of like the double standard. It's also about how male sexuality is perceived in our country versus female sexuality. So American Pie has... Um, Everything. Yes. Well, is it, is it with Jason, women? Is it Jason Bateman or Justin? Who's the Jason actor? Bateman? I think is it's Jason. A, Jason. No, I mean, I, who's yeah. like thrusting into the pot? Like it's like very oh, graphic. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know that scene. He's on the counter and like it's a very graphic. scene. But it's from behind. But even okay, so there's that. But they have all sorts of things in that film. There's yeah, and also the girl. jobs, like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the like letters, uh, like for like um cunnilingus and stuff oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they like go through all this stuff and but it's all from a male perspective now that film got an r rating could advertise went on to become a billion dollar franchise wait it did get an r, in, r yeah. rating and it could be advertised yes. yeah by the oh, but it wasn't board. 17 is that the no so it, oh. it was yeah nc17 can't be advertised but r ratings can so oh sorry because in australia r is 18 plus i oh. think so sorry i'm just no, no, getting no, 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 it no. but i get you yeah, yeah so they um they could so advertise, they everything was fine, they made all this money, it's a huge franchise. That same year, um, this smaller independent film, Boys Don't Cry, comes Which out. is an incredible film. Yeah, Like, where, one of... Yeah, wherein Hillary, Hillary Swank, again, in the 90s, plays a transgender... Gender, yeah. yeah and She's got the boy, bold, yeah. bold head, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's... It's, it's fascinating, and there's this uh, scene with her, and I think it's Chloe Sevigny, is the girl, the, the romantic know. interest in it. There's a scene where they have show them having sex, and she's uh, eating a, who I think is Chloe Sevigny out essentially. Right. But they don't show any of it's not nearly as graphic as American Pie. They show uh, Chloe's face, and she's like the actress's face. She's like you know in ecstasy, and then they cut to Hillary's face, and all she does is this, wipe her mouth. Wipes her mouth. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That was enough. That gave it an NC-17 rating. They couldn't advertise. They couldn't make any money on that film. Now, it goes on to win an Academy Award. Lord, thank so, God. Yes, yeah. but like the, the di- that's kind of where the frustration comes in is because this is a very different view of sexuality than your typical yes. like patriarchal, all-American. Frat boy yeah. kind of, yeah. And is less graphic, but because, of, but because of how you're perceiving what sex should and shouldn't be, 
the ratings board won't allow this film to really profit. And then there's also the argument that it's an independent film and not a studio film, and that the, the studio systems are designed to kind of not uh, support. support the yeah. independent films because if they make money. Like it's all sorts of, you know, and and just because it wins an Academy Award also does not mean it made a shit ton of money. No, usually it doesn't. doesn't. Make, yeah, no. y- yeah, and so it's a very like. It's a very frustrating thing within the entertainment world, um, and uh, as a woman, and also that go- it's related to pay inequality, it's a huge, so it's become a big thing for me in particular um, because of the experiences I've had, and even um, I started teaching a few years ago um, more about kind of marketing for actors and like how to get yourself out there, guest lecturing at different colleges and things like that. And um, I remember going in for a job interview where I was asked to come in. It wasn't like I applied or anything like that. I'm sitting there, I'm talking about what I do and not even bringing up- Job for what? uh, To guest lecture at a university. So it would be like a six class series, um, but it would pay pretty well. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it was a- uh, I love stuff like that, by the way. Yeah, it was was a college. Um, They weren't a huge college, but they were, you know, an art school. And they uh, reached out to me wanting me to lecture. And I went in, um, like I didn't apply or yeah. proposition them to do it. And I went in for my interview and I'm talking about what I do and how I kind of work the position classes. It, yeah. yeah, and I don't talk at all about my film background. I sent them my resume but didn't really talk about any of the work I'd done. Yeah. And um, so I, I, everything seems fine. There's just, There were three people in the room, two of whom seemed very excited and the other one was very critical. And um, I'm walking to, with the more critical ones to the elevator afterwards, and um, uh, he said to me, you know, I'm nervous because I want these these kids to be artists first. I don't want them to focus on their business. And I said, I, I hear you. Like, we all want that. But you're also, I think, doing a disservice to not really talk to them about how to put themselves out there because how are they going to make the art they want to make if they can't? survive yeah, yeah exactly so then and, they give up on that right and yeah. and he said to me it's interesting that you call yourself an artist because i've seen nude photos of you on the internet <gasps> oh, and Katie. and i turned to him and i remember saying and it was a really empowering thing that there was like this moment where i knew i could have not gotten the job by doing this and i i i um i said yes I do call myself an artist, and yes, I've done nudity. And actually, you know, this is one of the things I often speak about in the frustration of this double standard because, and I, so I, you know, the boys don't cry reference. And then I also say, and I guarantee if I was a man in this situation, you would not be asking me about the nude work that I had done in relation to my ability to talk about business with your students. And he said, okay, thank you, and, like, pressed the button. I, I was like, I didn't get the job. Walked out, and I called my uh, boss, who was, like, kind of the company. It was, like, a it's a company called Accelerated Artists that, like, will place guest lectures and stuff. And I called them, and I said, you know, I'm sorry. I don't think I got the job. I just, I couldn't. You apologized? Well, I said, I I know what you mean. Yeah, I don't I mean that in a bad way, yeah, but it just, of like, course, you would like, be like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I just, like, I couldn't let him speak to me that way. Yeah. And I kind no, of. of course. Yeah, and, um. And I even called my mother afterwards, and she was annoyed with me because she, you know, wanted me. That's more prestigious. She wanted me to be doing something like that, and was like frustrated. And um, did she get it though? I did get it. Yes, I did get the job. Um, They did (laughs) give it to you. Yeah, they did hire me. They haven't brought me. But wait, sorry, I did. I missed my question there. But did your mum get why you did it? She did. 
but she's my my mother's an amazing and very powerful woman but i think she also just like grew any, up in a very different generation yes class, and yeah. also i think and she's very much a feminist she's kind of a badass she's like the head of hr for this like international company the north american branch of this like german precious metals company she flies all over europe all the time like she's she's amazing woman and i learned a lot of my business savvy and my you know, firmness in what I want from her. But I also think she sees that some of the things I, I have to deal with and are, make it difficult for me. And as a mother, I don't think you always want to encourage behaviors that will make things, things difficult, difficult for, you. for your child. Yeah. Even though you might agree on a moral level, you don't want your child I to think, struggle. And I don't mean to like take this off track, but I actually think that that's a lot of what sometimes parents feel when their child comes out to them of, mm-hmm. of it, that it's not that they don't support necessarily what you do. They just know that your life is probably going to be harder because yeah. of society. And then they, they yeah. just wish that that wasn't the case for yeah. you. Yeah. So it'd be a lot easier if you were straight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a frustration that comes with like, why can't you just support me and understand? And it's, it's, a, it's so much deeper than that. Any type of like, Parental love is I so know. much more oh. than that. So you got the job. I did. Did you have to see him? Oh yeah, and um, did he did he acknowledge any of it? No. Did he listen to the speech to one your series when you did that section? No. Um, he introduced me one time, um, and he said, um, "This is Catherine. She's going to talk to you about a lot of things that you don't, we don't want to deal with, but." Um, Unfortunately, we have to. That was her. That was his introduction to, about me. Oh. And I was kind of just like, she oh. sounds like. I, I, I know. And I was like, oh. Mm. So. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So can I ask you a, a question? Sure. Now that I know that you do this, I um, have I've just started doing a little bit of, of improv shows. Okay. And... The first one went really well. Yeah. Second one, I just did my second one last week. Oh, congratulations. Um, thanks. No, Is that with the, the other girls from Artful Bachelorette? Uh, no, oh. she's got a different show, um, I think, at Baby's Alright. Right, yeah. No, this is with a girl who's totally in the improv community world. Yeah, and um, she started this show. It's called The Thank You Show. And she normally does it with... Uh, she'll like have a co-host and they'll bring on like different improvisers. They'll also get stand-up comedians. It's like a variety show yeah. for like an hour at the pit. Uh-huh. Um, but f- f- the second time around she asked if it would just be her, that we would just do it together and it was kind of like a two woman show. Yeah. And we did it about fear. So okay. it wasn't a funny subject matter yeah. anyway. And it went, so the first one we did, which was all about love, which is my yeah. subject that it went really well because yeah. I could talk about that or act it out or what, yeah. for forever. Yeah. Fear, still figuring it out. Yeah, um, of course. And it went fine. Like, it wasn't that it was bad, but but it wasn't as good as the first one. Or I didn't feel as good on stage yeah. as the first one. And what I find weird is that that's totally fine because when I came home that night, I wrote down all the things that I learned. I wrote, you know, yeah. I was like, we didn't even introduce the show properly. That's a big one. Yeah. We didn't know how to end it. So we sort of just like fluked it. No, yeah. you have to have a strong ending. So the first time I did it, I didn't, I didn't learn anything. I just loved doing it. Second yeah. time I'm like, didn't feel so good, but now I've got all these learnings. Yeah. But my big question is I came home and I felt like crap. 
And then I woke up in the morning and I still felt like crap because the only people that are really coming to these things is Florence and my friends because that's who we're inviting. Yeah. But the only way to get better is to keep doing Doing it, it. right? But I don't want to have to keep just inviting my friends to these things that I'm just figuring out. Well, I, yeah. But then you're, but this idea of like the, you also have to have an audience and you have to keep sort of marketing yourself. I was like, I don't know. I honestly, when I knew, when you were coming on, I was like, I don't know how artists and actors do it because it's a real roller coaster. Oh yeah. And you're also going, look at me. I'm going to entertain you. And that might not happen. Exactly. I'm, I have this film coming out and I'm terrified. It's the sequel to the Nick of Hyde film. Oh, wow. And I'm terrified that it's not going to register. I didn't expect the first one to register. And now I'm like, you know, so that doesn't go away ever. You know, how have you learned to deal? Yeah. How do you, cause it's pretty, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I think it is kind of crippling sometimes, especially cause you're doing it in such a public way. Um, but one of the things that I found is I just kind of surround myself with people who understand just that right. feeling and will be supportive whether I fall on my face or um, you know, my dress falls off or whatever, you know, and start reaching out to people outside of my friends. Cause for me, that's less scary. My friends and the people I value, whose opinions I value, that's hard for me to that, do. I completely agree. But if yeah. it's a room of strangers, it really doesn't, it's not as big a deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the big thing I try to, if I'm performing, I try not to have like, even with premieres and things, I, if I haven't seen something, um, I don't really want my family to come. I'll invite them to like another thing, yeah. not the first one. Um, but so there's that. And I think, but yeah, it's about community and kind of creating your tribe of people that you can fall on your face to and will still love you no matter how bad your set was, no matter, you right. know, and still think you're the most fabulous, hilarious person in the world. You know, I think that's what it is. Like, don't feel guilty about inviting your friends because there's plenty of times where they need things and you have to go and it, yeah, you know. I know. It's just a, I really did. I think it all these little things, even having a podcast and I just gained so much more respect for actors and for people that put themselves out there because, you know, it's sometimes it seems so easy yeah, or it seems not, um, what is it? It seems like there's so many perks to it. So like, of course you would do it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't buy it anymore. I'm like, no, I think this is a very hard uh thing to do and and also like this other thing that someone once said to me is like you the actual acting is probably like 10 percent of your career yeah it's all the other stuff that you have to Mm -hmm. do and and how do you feel about that like um I mean obviously I'd rather just do act or paint or do whatever it is I want to do um but I think that's why I do side little things that I am passionate about. Like I'm developing a pilot right now that like me and, and Sharif, the, uh, the director, have just been like throwing ourselves in. And it's our project. So we're in control. So there's that. So that's nice because I don't have to prove myself to anybody with that. You know, we have that and this is how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. I don't have to. And no matter what happens with it, you know, that exists. The other thing I think is I, I you have to learn to like not get invested. I know that's silly and not care as much because as an actor and a performer, I think even an artist, you're a professional interviewer. Every day as a freelancer, your job 
is to get hired for the next job. job yeah. So it's just kind of not valuing as anything as the be all end all, you mm-hmm. know, you get cast in something and that's going to be wonderful. And if you don't that, you know, it just allows for room for something else, you know? And I also, one of the big things that I learned is like the freedom of rejection. There's power and freedom in rejection because at, if you don't know where you stand with somebody, it makes it very hard to figure out how to move forward. And then there's all this anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. But if you do know, even if they say, well, fuck you, we never want to work with you again, at least you know that. And then you're not wasting your right. energy or the fear there because you know. Yeah, there's no unknown. Yeah, right. I yeah. think the unknown is more frightening. than If I know someone doesn't like me, I know how to behave and how to avoid situations. And right. I'm not really worried about their opinion. I just don't particularly want to interact with them, you know, as opposed to a middle ground. And I also find that um, when I was looking at colleges, I worked with this producer who said to me, I was telling him, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. And he said, listen to me, um, LA actors work out in the gym. New York actors work out on the stage. You need to decide what's more important to you. And what I took that, that always stayed with me. And I think for all artists, all performers in general, it's, it's universal in that. And you have to find a community of people that support your growth creatively, if that's something that's important to you. So like, um, and I'm not saying I, I, I like to visit LA. I do like LA, but I do like the community that I have here in New York Mm -hmm. because it's much more about the work and people get excited about the work as opposed to your image as it relates to the work right. and that's empowering as well so it's, it's a lot of like little things also doing things for yourself that have nothing to do with your work at all which is hard because you know we especially as new yorkers and, and with the rents and everything like our whole yeah, lives yeah but like taking moments and again i guess that's with like my moons it's just like taking moments to like acknowledge how beautiful the world is and and things that you value going for walks my dog is like my like like she's my everything so I also I have a garden I work in my garden Mm -hmm. has nothing to do with my performance but it's just something that I can do to kind of take myself out of the seriousness and the chaos if that makes sense yeah and how does it how is it being in a relationship and also giving in that sense as well um it's definitely difficult um for most relationships I've experienced, but not with Kurt, interestingly, um, we always kind of went in going and I, I, we always had our own lives, the two of us. And we always went in going like, we are going, we, we know what we want and that's going to be the priority. And we love each other. And if we can build each other up, that's great. But if we, we can't help, we're going to let the person do their thing and not even let them go kind of way. Just, so there are times and it took, it's taken up until now for me to even feel okay and saying, you know what, I can't spend time with you tonight. I have to work on this, you know, or I was constantly afraid of like, uh, before we dated, even sexually, like being like saying no to someone, being like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have sex right now because my, my head is here and I'm trying to focus on this. It's not that I don't love you. And um, he's so wonderful in that he completely understands that and I understand that with him where it's just sometimes yeah I could imagine he's the exact same way yeah with his work yeah what he's doing yeah Yeah. and if I mean as much as I would love to spend every waking second just like wrapped up in him I also know that like I bet there's also not to not to say that I know you guys but but I bet there's something that's very attractive to each other of of 
of your passions and what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So if you guys didn't have those as well, Definitely. it may not be. Yeah. And mm. when we got caught up, we always say to each other, we're working. Um, we can't stand by together all day like we'd like because we're working so that we can do that. You know, that yeah. there will be a day where we won't have to hustle quite as hard for the projects because they'll already kind of be in place and we can take time. And That's spend. so cool. <laughs> That's so lovely. I, I think that's just kind of, I mean, I'm just really lucky in that I found him. I don't. Yeah, but it also sounds like you guys have really worked at it. Oh, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, now, I don't think work is the wrong word because it's never difficult. Oh, that's if, good. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely in any relationship like ups and downs and struggles, but um, one of the things that we said. Um, when we first started seeing each other like six months in and everyone was like pressuring us to put a title on it and we're still not quite there yet. Um, I remember saying to him, how about we just do this until it isn't fun anymore, until it stops being fun. And when it isn't fun anymore, we don't do it. And it hasn't stopped being fun. Mm. So I think that's really what's the most important thing. Is It's just about effortlessly being together and as soon as that becomes work as soon as it becomes difficult to be together that's a problem and not even scheduling just like when we're together no matter what the day is like just like being next to him is effortless and wonderful and not to be cheesy or anything but oh, please be cheesy. <laughs> cheesy um katie thank you so much for coming on yeah. you've just been a delight oh thank I've you just for having me i was so excited talking to, do to it. you so much <laughs> i'm so glad because i emailed kurt and i was like look i you know who else who else can i have from your yeah. world and he's like you, he the only person he wrote me back was you Aww. and i was like uh and i also um I also just trust him so much as well. Yeah. Like if he, if he, whatever he tells me, I yeah, yeah, he's very spot on. Sometimes I get a little frustrated with, and I'll be like, you you cannot be right about this, but he generally is. He's very yeah. very. I, th- I wish that sometimes he was wrong just so yeah. he could. Yeah. You do. Don't tell him that. No, I know, I know. Well, of course, he'll listen. Yeah. He'll know, but... All right, thank you, yeah. darling. Mm-hmm.